Well, once again, we are so honored that you would join us, whether you are here in the room or you're watching online. It is a privilege to have you celebrate Christmas with us this year, and we are so glad that you're here. Thanks to all of our teams, our volunteers, our staff, everybody that came together to make this a really special time together. Let me ask you this. When you look back and think about Christmases in your past, do you ever remember a time when something unexpected happened? Anybody? Like, it's, it's kind of bound to happen, let's just be honest. I remember very clearly a time when I was five years old. Is there anybody in the room that's five? Maybe five-year-olds, you're five? Anybody wish you were five? Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm seeing some of that. I was five years old, and, and, and back, in, back in the day, all the family would come to, to our house. My mom would host Christmas, and her brothers and sisters would come together, and cousins, and we'd have a whole bunch of people over. And I'm five, and it's Christmas night, and I kind of remember that I started getting like grumpy. Like I wasn't quite my normal angelic self, right? Are you, are you with me? And I remember this in part because I kind of remember my mom with just the grace and the joy of Christmas going, knock it off, right? Everybody left. And I went up to her and I said, mom, what, what are these red dots all over me and why do they itch? I got two things for Christmas that year. Does anybody remember the Stretch Armstrong dolls? Do you remember those things? They were like these, he's a big muscle guy and you'd, you'd stretch him and he had this goo inside of him that is, is used in chemical warfare. Does anybody remember that? Like just do that. I got a Stretch Armstrong doll and chicken pox for Christmas that year. Did not expect it, but boy do I remember it. You might have your own story of the Christmas that caught you off guard, the Christmas that you didn't expect, the Christmas that surprised you. One of the things about the Christmas story is that for most of us, we're familiar with it. Like this probably isn't the first time you've been to a Christmas service. It's probably not the first time you've heard the story. In fact, some of you could are sitting there saying, I can tell the story better than that guy, right? <laughs> but the deal is because we're familiar with the story, we forget just how crazy a story it is. Like everything in this story is unexpected. This is not the way you would write how this son of God coming to rescue us would show up. And when we get to Matthew chapter two, we kind of get one unexpected thing after the other. So what I wanna do in the next few moments is kind of look at this story from Matthew chapter two, show you some things as we walk through it. Maybe it'll help us, help me, help you to deal with the unexpected that might come our way this Christmas. Matthew chapter two, we'll jump in there. Here's what we read. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, kind of remember that, important fact, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, you, you might be familiar with this story, with Herod, with the Magi, with the star, but if you think about it, this is crazy stuff. Like, this isn't, un, this isn't expected stuff. This isn't the stuff you would think would happen. So you gotta ask some questions. Like, let's start, like, who are the Magi? Now, we could take a long time just talking about that and explaining who they were, but they were priests, they were experts in mysteries from, from Persia and from Babylon. They would have practiced things like astrology, dream interpretation, the study of sacred writings, the pursuit of wisdom and magic. In fact, magi gives us the root for the word we use for magic. And one of the things that's good for us to remember is that at a point about, about 400 plus years before Jesus was born, People from Israel were taken to Babylon in captivity. 
People like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Do you remember learning about those guys? And Daniel becomes one of the magi. He becomes one of these wise men that we talk about. So into their culture, we believe, came the Hebrew teachings. So they were familiar not only with their own teachings, but Old Testament scripture that they were watching for. They were anticipating and looking for a new Jewish king to be born following certain signs that they were looking for. One of those things was this star that they saw. Now, it seems like people are always trying to ask, well, what was the star and how do we prove or disprove it? Sometimes they'll say this, the star was a comet or it might have been a supernova. Sometimes people will say it was an angel. Look, I, I don't know exactly what it was. I, my personal thought is that God did something in the, in the stars, in the planets, did something that for these people that were looking for him, he supernaturally gave them a sign so that they could follow. Why? Why is it all important? Because they have come, they, they show up on King Herod's doorstep, they show up to worship this new king. And this reminds me that Christmas is a time for worship. It's a time for us to worship. What do you mean, Chad, when you say worship? When you worship something, you give to that, that thing or that person worth, value. You say, this thing is important to me. You often say, this is the most important thing to me. So when we sing songs to God, we often say, we worship him. And the reality is, every one of us will worship something. So maybe Christmas is a good time to ask, what well, do you worship? Do, do you worship stuff? Do you worship people? Some of us actually worship like days. Some of, some of us, I think we're so focused on Christmas that we actually worship the, the day, maybe even more than what it's all about. We worship things. Some of us actually even probably would be guilty of worshiping ourselves. Like I, I just read a story recently. It goes back to 1977, but of a very wealthy woman who passed away. And her hope was that when she was buried and they followed through on it, that they built a 17 foot uh, size box for the burial and she was buried sitting inside of her 1964 powder blue Ferrari 300 America car. And then once they buried it, they filled it with concrete so that you can't go and, and drive that car as you were just thinking, maybe I'll go get a Ferrari, right? <laughs> it's kind of an interesting, just kind of a curiosity piece, but it's a sad story. Because she thought, I got my stuff. My stuff defines me. But she was worshiping something that will not last. Like, well, what do you give value and purpose and meaning to and, and, and worth to in your life? Make sure that it's something that will last. And that's why we say at Christmas we worship because we focus on Jesus, the only one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the only one worth our worship, which, which leads us back to the story. Matthew chapter two, verse three when King Herod, now Herod was, was referred to as the king of the Jews. He was the person that Rome, who was in charge of Israel at that time, Rome, Rome ruled with an iron fist over their empire and Israel, Judea, Jerusalem was all a part of that. And so Herod was put in charge. He was the king of the Jews. And when King Herod heard this, when he heard that the Magi from the east had come looking for a new king, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Well, why do you think King Herod was disturbed? If you are the king and hear that there's a new king in town, do you think you'd be disturbed too? <laughs> like he's pretty fired up. It probably made him a little paranoid. The reality is Herod was already a little paranoid. 
When you look at history, he ruled out of fear and paranoia. And if you got in his way, he got rid of you. Didn't matter who you were. You could be a politician. You could be a leader. You could be his son. You could be his wife. But if you crossed him, that was it. You were gone. Because Herod just ruled out of this paranoia. And so now all of a sudden, he hears that there are leaders, magi, wise men, from another empire who have showed up in his town saying there's a new king. You kind of understand why he was disturbed, don't you? Here's the other thing. It says that the whole town, that all of Jerusalem was disturbed with him. Here's the reason why. They had learned that if Herod is disturbed, we should be disturbed too. Because we don't know what he's going to do. This guy's crazy. He, He operates out of anger and hatred. Who knows what he'll do? And also, can you imagine being a resident of Jerusalem? You know enough of your history to know that in the past you had been dominated and ruled by people from Babylon and Persia, and you look out your window and you see a parade coming down the street. See, we often picture only three wise men, but we don't know how many wise men there were. There were probably more than three. They probably came with security forces. They probably came with people who would meet their needs to care for them and cook for them and protect them. They probably rolled in with all this kind of posse that was with them. And so a whole circus is coming down the street of foreigners who once used to rule you. Do you think you'd be disturbed too? Like Why why are they here? And the reality is there will always be things in life that will disturb us, that will catch us off guard, that will bring the unexpected. It's just a part of life. All of us face things that we didn't plan on. This probably isn't a good story to tell since we have the nativity out front. But just a couple of weeks ago in a, in a suburb of Kansas City called Bonner Springs, there was a drive-through nativity that you could drive through and see all the live animals and everything. And uh, on Saturday night, a a couple weeks ago, one of the camels broke out of its halter and took off. And they all started chasing this camel through suburban Kansas City, and they couldn't find it. Nobody knows where it went overnight. And then the next day, people started citing it and posting it on social media as it was walking up and down the highway. Eventually, it made its way to a golf course, and the police got in golf carts and chased it all over the golf course with the golf carts. Eventually, they got it into some neighborhood, and they were able to lasso it, and they called the owner, and the owner came and got it. It was all this, all in the news. It was a big buzz. So once they found the camel, the, the Bonner Springs Police Department posted this on social media. They said, the camel was reunited with its owners, and will go back to doing camel things. Isn't that a great post? <laughs> but that's life, right? All of a sudden, your camel breaks out of a halter, and next thing, your, your whole world turns upside down. You, you got days, possibly, where you're trying to figure out, how do we make this? What's next? How are we going to deal with this? It's life. Here's one of the things that I've, I've learned about myself, and it's probably true about you, too. How you handle disturbing times determines much about your life. The good times are often easy to handle. It's, it's what you do when things disturb you, when you hit the unexpected, when you face things you didn't plan on, that reveals your character. So when, when you have one of those moments, and I don't mean to be a downer, but there's a good chance you'll have one or two before this year's out. Good chance you, you might have it at Christmas when you're baking the cookies and they burn, which is a sin, by the way. There's a good chance you might have it when you're all ready for the party to start. Somebody shows up late. Good chance you might have it when there's a disagreement or an awkward moment and you're disturbed by something. How are you gonna handle that? 
Will you have the heart of Herod? Like Herod's heart was that anytime something challenged or disturbed him, he responded out of hate or angered. Angered. Have you ever heard of angered? <laughs> Hatred or anger. Boy, but when you get to angered, that's really bad. <laughs> it's not my fault if you've never heard that word. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Paranoia? Or will you have the terror of the town? That you'll see something you don't know or recognize and it immediately fills you with fear? And you immediately go to worst case scenario? Or will you, like we see in this story, have the wisdom of the wise men? I don't know what their journey was like. I don't know what your journey's been like. But somewhere along the way, they knew our focus is to get where God has us. And so we're gonna trust him. We're gonna believe in him. Even when things disturb us, instead of outing, acting out of fear or angered, you've heard of angered, or acting out of disappointment, we're gonna trust God and believe that he's gonna help us. Which takes us back to the story. Matthew chapter two, verse four. You can imagine Herod's in his palace. These wise men roll up. They say, hey, where's the new king? Because they figured that king would be born in the palace. They figured Herod would be the father of this new king. And instead, they're finding something totally different. When Herod had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. This is hugely important. If you were with us a couple of weeks ago, there's about 18 times in the book of Matthew, Matthew's story about Jesus, where he talks about what the prophet has written. And the prophet, what he means is, is Matthew's the, the first book of the New Testament that tells us about Jesus. The prophets he's talking about are in the Old Testament, written at least hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And these prophets made promises from God, prophecies we call them, about how Jesus will be born, about how Jesus will come, about how there's a king who's gonna come and rescue them. And Matthew says here, for this is what the prophet has written, that in Bethlehem, that's where the king will be born. Why does this matter? Why is it important? Because when you can connect the dots from what we read in the New Testament happened back to the Old Testament where it was prophesied, it reminds, of this, it reminds us of this important point. God keeps his promises. Do you believe that? God keeps his promises. He's with us. He's beside us. This was really key because Bethlehem is not the place where you would expect a king to be born. You have the big capital city of Jerusalem, and then you have this little town, and that's an accurate part of what we sing about the song, this village of Bethlehem. It's about five miles south of Jerusalem. It's in the shadow of the big city. You go five miles, what's that like? Five miles is about what you'll drive if you go from here to UTMC. Does that make sense? So it's not very far. And in the shadow of Jerusalem, is this tiny little town where God said the king would be born. And when you read the story, you see how God goes to great lengths to direct history so that Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Why? Because he has a plan. He is working it out. God can be trusted. God keeps his promises. But we often forget that. Because when the pressure comes or we get busy, or life just comes knocking on our door with the unexpected and the disturbing, we forget what his word says. In fact, sometimes we never grab hold of his promises and act on them. We, we've, we've come to that point, if you're a student, where you're in between semesters. Fall semester is over and we haven't started the, the winter or the spring semester yet. 
I just read about a professor at uh, the University of Tennessee who did something different in his syllabus this year. You know, the syllabus is the long document you get when you start the class and it tells you what books you need, what your assignments are, what the rules for the class are. And so right in the middle of all these sentences about the rules for the class, he inserted this little parenthetical phrase. He said, for each of the first two claims, locker 147, combination 15, 25, 35, and then went right back in, just dropped it right into his syllabus. And if you were to go to that locker, and use that combination, you'd find a $50 bill waiting right inside there. Would you go to a locker for a $50 bill? Yeah, I hope so. And then I hope you tithe on it, right? You know how that works, kind of thing. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. So, so here's what happened. At the end of the semester, the professor went to that locker, checked it, opened it up. Guess what was still sitting there? That $50 bill. It was just waiting there for somebody to claim it, and it proved the point. Nobody reads the syllabus, right? <laughs> you didn't. Nobody reads those things. Right there was a promise that they could have something, and everybody missed it. I bet they're gonna read them in the spring, don't you think they will? And here's the deal, this book is filled with promises. It's filled with these gifts that God has for us, things we can hold on to in difficult and tough times, but oftentimes we get moving right past it that we never go to it. You don't even need a combination. You don't, you don't even have to go on a, on, a, on a funny little trip to get it. His promises are right there for you to hold on to. Why do I stress that? Because for whatever reason, this year, more than ever, I feel like I've interacted with and talked to people for whom Christmas is hard this year. For whatever reason, something that you've lost, something that you didn't expect, it's not like it was in the past, it's, it's just not the same. And you're saying to yourself, I don't know, this is a difficult Christmas for me. Some of you, it's because you're, you're looking at the headlines, you're looking at what's going on in the world around us, you're looking at what's happened in the last couple of years, and you're just going, this does not make sense. Every time I listen to the news, I'm troubled. Every time I look at what's happening, it bothers me. I see what's going on with my family, I see what's going on with my kids, I see what's going on with my job, and you're just saying, God, none of this makes sense. What are you doing? God, are you sure you have a plan? Are you sure your timing is right? Because it seems to me like you, you, you don't have this the way that I want you to. One of the things that's interesting is the Apostle Paul, when he writes about Jesus' birth, says this, Galatians chapter four, verse four. He says, but when the set time had fully come. Some Bible versions say when the fullness of time had come. What it's saying is at just the right time, at just the perfect moment, at the moment when God knew that it would be the most effective, at just the set time when it had fully come, that's when God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. This story tells us that Jesus came at the perfect time in history, at just the right time, because God has perfect timing. Do you believe that? So if God has perfect timing at Christmas, I believe he has perfect timing in your life too. I don't know why that disappointment came and you didn't expect it, or I don't know why you've been waiting so long and just don't seem to have the answer. What I do know is that there's a God who in his word gives us promises and one of those promises is this, that he has perfect timing and that he is working it all out and at some point you're gonna look back and say, oh God, you knew exactly what you were doing. 
The, the other thing I've noticed is there's a lot of people this Christmas who have this sense of loneliness that's come in. There's someone you miss. There's something you miss. Or you look and you just go, it's just not what it used to be. And that's tough, and it's real in this season. But don't forget what Christmas is all about. Matthew chapter two, verse six. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago on a Sunday. It's, excuse me, Matthew chapter one. I'm sorry, I jumped ahead there. Matthew chapter one, verse 22 says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Read this with me, which means God with us. Here's a promise, God is with you. And even when you feel alone and even when you don't have the answers and even when you're not sure what's gonna come next, know this, that God is with you. He's walking right beside you. And that's a promise. Now, let's go back and look at the actual prophecy, right? It, it said that Matthew said that the Old Testament said that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Matthew chapter two, verse six, here's the prophecy. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is huge because Matthew now connects the dots. He quotes from the Old Testament the prophecy that's in the book of Micah. Here's what we read in Micah chapter five. This is the actual prophecy. He says, but you Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Now, when we read that, that word doesn't make any sense to us. Bethlehem Ephrathah. We've heard of Bethlehem, but not its last name there. <laughs> but in that time, they would have known because it would, it would be like almost like giving some GPS coordinates. It would be like saying, I'm talking to those of you who are in the United States and in Ohio and in Maumee and on this street corner and who belong to this family because as soon as they said Ephrathah, they were talking about a clan, that they were talking about a family. When Matthew says that you will shepherd our people Israel, he's using that word shepherd to connect us back to King David because King David was a shepherd. What he's saying is that the Messiah is gonna come from the family of David. Have you ever heard that before? I've heard it my whole life in church, but I always ignore it because it doesn't matter to me, but it sure mattered to them if you're familiar with the Bible, have you ever read those parts that it's like this person was the father of this person and this person was the father of this person, this person was the father of this person, they're called genealogies, and 93% of us sleep through them, true? Because they're, they're just boring to us. They weren't boring to them because they proved this. There's about a 1,000 years from the time of David to the time of Jesus, but they kept track of this, and they knew that Jesus was a descendant of David. Why does this matter? Track with me for just a moment. I know some of you already have your, your, your Christmas meal in your mind, but can I give you a quick little history lesson? Because this is really important. About 160 years before Jesus was born, the Jewish people got their independence after being ruled by the, the Babylonians and the Persians and the Greeks. I mean, they, they had hundreds of years of other people putting them in their empires and then mistreating them. And then the Jews got their independence for about 100 years. They were ruled by a group of people. Oftentimes you'll hear the word Maccabees. You ever heard that? Or the Hasmoneans. The Jewish people ruled themselves. 
The problem was that they weren't ruled by someone who was from Bethlehem of Phratha. They weren't ruled by someone who was from the family of David. They were ruled by a group of priests. So they were basically illegitimate rulers. And to be honest, they mistreated the people. And then the Romans came in and the Romans conquered Israel again. And when the Romans did, they abused them. They mistreated them. They kicked the taxes up so high that people were losing their homes. They were losing their families. Lives were devastated. And then the Romans put a guy in charge named Herod. Now, Herod wasn't really a Jew. He was kind of a Jew, but he wasn't a Jew, but he was called the king of the Jews, and he was in charge. And we've already talked about kind of what a, am I allowed to use the word jerk in church before Christmas? Kind of what a jerk Herod was. And now the people have had rulers after rulers after rulers, all of them who have disappointed them, abused them, mistreated them, and all of them were illegitimate rulers, and they're longing and they're waiting and they're saying, what we really want is the real thing. We're waiting for someone to come who can actually change us. We're looking for someone who can truly make a difference. And and they need to be from David's family, That's why when you read about him being born in Bethlehem, when you read about him being from David, that means that Jesus came into the world and said, you, 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 those of you who are mistreating my people, those of you who are illegitimate rulers, stop it. Because I'm here to set them free. Look, one of the things that's so important about this season is to know that hope is found at Christmas. True hope, not empty hope. Not empty promises, but truly Jesus came to set us free. I stress this because for so many of us, we look for happiness and we look for hope and we look for peace and we try it in all these different places and then we only come back empty. And Jesus is the only real king. He's the only one who can really come and make a difference in your life. And so many times we want someone who's gonna come and fix our problems, That's what they wanted. They wanted a Messiah who would just come and get rid of Rome, just fix our problems. And Jesus said, I didn't come to fix your problems. I came to set you free. Have you you ever been given a gift that looked beautiful on the outside? It was just beautifully wrapped. You got all excited. And then you opened it up and you realized it was something you did not need and even more you did not want. Do you know what I'm talking about? Everybody show me your fake happy face. Let me see it. Oh, thanks. This is terrible, right? I don't want this. Because something can look great on the outside and be worthless on the inside. I've also had people hand me a plastic bag straight from the store and say, sorry, didn't have time to wrap it. And I opened it up and I said, I do not care because I have now been set free. This is what I wanted. This is the gift I wanted. And you can't measure it by the outside. Many of us want Jesus to come and fix our problems on the outside. But what really matters is what's going on on the inside. And the gift he gave to us is that we don't have to fear death and we don't have to be held back by our past and we don't have to be defined by what we used to be or what other people have said about us. But because of what Jesus has done, he can set us free. Does that make sense? Go back to our story real quick. Uh, Matthew chapter two, verse seven. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. Don't you think he sounded like that? 
And as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. All right? Do you think Herod wanted to worship him? It's the last thing Herod wanted to do. Herod wanted to get rid of him. I don't have time to unpack this, but, but just think about this for a minute. Don't fake Christmas. Herod faked the first Christmas. He said it was about Jesus, but it was really about himself. When Herod looked deep down inside, he was the only king that he cared about. But not the wise men. Matthew chapter two, verse nine. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they'd seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Don't don't lose the fact of how unexpected this all was. The last thing the wise men thought they'd do is bring their circus into some little neighborhood in Bethlehem to some little house to find a baby and his mother say, is this the king? The last thing Mary and Joseph thought was that the parade would pull up at their house. And these dudes from from another universe might as well have been come in with these gifts, powerfully expensive and valuable gifts. If you gave me myrrh, I'd be like, right? And if you gave me frankincense, I'd be like, I don't know what that is. You give me gold and I'm down with it. Anybody else, right? But these things were huge, the value that he gave to them. And yet they're all unexpected and going, what, what is really going on here? But I want you to learn this from the joy that the wise men had, from the way that they sacrificed and gave these gifts, they made it very clear who Jesus was to them, that they identified him as their king. My hope for you this Christmas is that you will make Jesus your king this Christmas. That when you look at your life, that other things, that other people that even yourself, you would not be the king of your own life, but that you'd make Jesus your king. Look, I, I don't know what your, your journey has been like. You may be coming to the end of this year and feeling weary and disappointed, or maybe you're just excited and, and stoked for what's ahead. Maybe you're grieving. Maybe you're just so filled with opportunity. You might be hopeful or you might be fearful. And I'm gonna guess all those things hit those magi as they traveled. And then they hit a certain point in their journey and realized, we've gotta decide what we're gonna do. So who will you make king of your life? Take this unexpected story in Matthew chapter two and you basically boil it down to two characters, Herod and the magi. And they both had a king, and one was themselves, and the other was Jesus. One's always gonna disappoint you and let you down, and one will allow you to live forever. So my question is on this Christmas, who's king of your life? Because don't forget who this king was. Jesus not only 
was born, and, and we talk about this little baby in the manger, but he didn't stay in the manger. He became a man, and he lived a life where he never disappointed God. He was without sin. And then he died on the cross for your sins and mine. Why is that important? Because I don't know about you, but I know that there are things that I've done that I can't make right, and I need Jesus to make that right between me and God. And then he rose again, and on the third day, Jesus was back to life so that you and I could have life and we could know what it's like to have purpose and meaning in our lives. And that when we choose him as our savior and as our Lord, when we let him be our king, there's a life that we can know that you can't find in any other way. And it's only found in the person and in the name of the only one who's the true king. Can't you imagine these magi walking in this little house, coming in with their gifts, and there's this little baby. And I can't help, but this isn't in the Bible, but I can't help but think that one of them didn't just look right at Mary and say, what's his name? And she said, the king's name is Jesus. And in that name, they found everything they'd hoped for. Whatever you're looking for, I can tell you tonight that hope has a name. And his name's Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes for just a moment? Team's gonna come and they're gonna lead us in a song that reminds us of who Jesus is and what he's done. And as we sing this song about the hope that's found in Jesus Christ, my prayer is that you'll ask yourself very honestly, very openly right now, is Jesus the king of my life? And that you'll choose to give your whole self to him. Father, thanks for your word. Thanks that in this Christmas season, we, we can stop. We, we take a break from so many other things and remember what you've done. Jesus, help us to live our lives in a way where you are the king and that our hope is in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Breaking through the silence With glory in the highest The hope of our creation Was resting in his mother's arms Oh A song of the horizon Ringing through the heavens The long way to Savior has come to set the captives free. Oh, oh, you've come to set the captives free. Come set us free. Can we sing this together, church? Sing, hope has a name. He Started in a manger, oh, it ended in an empty grave. 
Won't you come if you're broken? Come if you're searching. And if you need healing, come on. He's where you find it. Won't you lay down your burdens and breathe in forgiveness? Oh, and if you need freedom, oh, and He's where you find it. Oh, and if you need freedom, oh, He's where you find it. Oh, if you need freedom, oh, has a name. Is He Manuel? Is the light of the world who broke through the dark? bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment and before we rush out of here and into the rest of our Christmas before you turn off this service that you're watching online or listening to this podcast can we pause for just a moment and ask ourselves the question is Jesus really the king of my life is he the one that I worship Is he the one that I trust in disturbing times? Is he he the one that I've put my confidence in, knowing that he's truly the only one who can set me free? Is he the one that no matter what my journey has been like, I realize that I was created by him and for him, and that he's the only king. So just a simple question before we finish up and pray. Do you need to make Jesus the king of your life today? Maybe there was a time in your life when when you you had made him the focus, when you had chosen him as your savior and Lord, and and life happened, and, and you're far away from him now, and you say, this Christmas, I need to come back home to Jesus. There's no better time than right now. Or maybe you've never known his forgiveness. Maybe your life has been defined by what other people have done to you or by the things that you've done and your past keeps seeming to kind of hunt you down and you've lived with that fear and with that condemnation. There's no better time than now to say, Jesus, be my king, because he came to be the savior who gives us forgiveness. And he came to be the Lord who gives us purpose. And it happens when we say to him, Jesus, I make you king of my life. So here's my question. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just just very simple. If you say I need to begin or begin a relationship with Jesus Christ today, I need to make him the king of my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? You can raise your hand and put it right back down. Just kind of put it up, put it right back down. Just between you and God, we're gonna pray together in a moment. 
sitting in this room or watching online, thanks, thanks, thanks. Anybody else before we pray? You say, today I need to make Jesus the king of my life. Awesome. If you know that he is your Lord and Savior, or if today you want to give your life to Jesus, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending him as a child so that he could know what it's like to be me. And that he lived a life without sin and died on a cross for my forgiveness. I ask today that you'd forgive my sins and be my savior. I give my life to you, my risen Lord. This Christmas, I make you my king in Jesus' name, amen. Church, we've had folks who have chosen Jesus to be king of their life here today, and I think we should celebrate that. Awesome. Look, if you're, if you're watching online and you prayed this prayer, I hope you will go out to our website. It's littlecalvary.org. You'll see a spot where you can click that says, who is Jesus? And we would love to send some information your way about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and uh, to pray with you as you begin this new journey in life. If you're here in the room and today you said, I need to make Jesus king of my life, I hope that after the service, you'll kind of make your way, probably easy to kind of come down and down this center aisle. There will be some friends who will be right here that would love the opportunity to pray with you. We wanna give you a Bible that you can easily read and understand and just talk with you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So just stop right by here on your way out as you leave today. Thanks again so much for being with us. Let me pray with you before we go. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for Christmas. Jesus, we thank you that you have come to be our king. And so, Lord, this Christmas, may we know your presence, your grace, your joy, your peace in a way like never before. Lord, would you bless this season with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.